Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. Good morning, Mont Blanc. Even though it's evening here now, it is five o'clock on the nose, local time here in Chamonix, France. It is UTMB day, Saturday, September 2nd at this point. Everything is blurring together and I'm here with an amazing panel again to celebrate one of the most memorable races that at least I can remember. And I have some great knowledgeable co-hosts to help add some perspective to this year's race. But first, a cheers. Yeah. We have a sparkling rosé for the crowd here. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, everybody. One, two. Jim and Zach. So, to introduce our panel, Katie Asmith, who joined us the other day. Kim Gaylord, who is supposed to be here on Tuesday, wasn't able to make it, so I'm glad we could plug you in here today. Hey, Kim. Thank you. And the great Topher Gaylord. Yahoo. Yahoo. Can't wait. So let's get to it. But I just want to do one thing quickly. We had an idea here to use this live stream as a celebration, a commencement ceremony of sorts for our great friend, Mr. Topher Gaylord, who today is passing the baton to the next generation. Finally. Yay. After 19 years. Topher has had the designation since 2003 of being the highest play placing American here at UTMB male, male, excuse me, highest placing American male with his second place performance in the inaugural UTMB in 2003. (laughs) And now of course, that designation gets passed to Jim Walmsley, one of the greatest of all time. Tove, how does it feel? Incredible. I mean, I, we've been we've been on this journey for 19 years since <laughs> that first year, and it hasn't been without trying bringing some of the greatest American male ultra runners of all time to this course and to see Jim come and execute. And I mean, it, I think it really took. Uh, it took an American living as a European to, to win this race. I mean, when, when I was here in 2003, I was an American living as a European. 
And, um, and that was Jim and nothing could make me happier than to see, uh, Jim, uh, our first American champion of the UTMB. And, you know, they say steel sharp and steel. And I think Jim would give enormous shout out to Zach Miller and to German for, um, actually propelling him to that victory today. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't feel better than yeah. uh, watching Jim uh, finish atop the podium for the first time ever in UTMB Not history. only a victory, but a course record to boot. <laughs> yeah. And we are watching the great Courtney DeWalter, another American, put the final touches on her third victory here at UTMB. Anyway, I had this shirt out because we wanted to write, you know, Topher Gaylord 2003 <laughs> to 2023 and have you sign it on air, but we couldn't pull our stuff together to get a Sharpie in time. So we're going to do that off, off air. And then we're going to keep this as a memento for yeah. thank years you. To come. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so where to begin? I mean, let's just, I guess, continue with Jim. Kim, we were out at uh, Lake Contamine last night. Maybe just paint the picture of what you saw there in the front of the men's race first, and then we can go through Jim's performance. Okay. I mean, I, I would just have to say, I mean, this event has so much energy. And I mean, the start line alone, just we, we actually weren't at the start line. Like Dylan said, we went down to uh, Lake Contamine in Notre Dame and the energy and volume of people at this race spectating is next level. I, I mean, I don't even know what you compare it to. I mean, it's not even like New York City marathon level it, because you're just like even closer in the face with the athletes. So it's uh, it's just electrifying. And it was really cool. We were in Lake Contamine. We, we got to be there to watch. Uh, we saw Jim come in. And, and, you know, you always think like, because we're always happy to be there to like see the athletes come in. And I'm always like, do you think even Jim saw us or remembered seeing us? You know, like it's always interesting, like of what the athletes of what their energy feel mm -hmm. is, or if they're just like in the zone focus, because it is electrifying yeah. and uh, it it's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. And like, I mean, you got this Elpen glow of the Mont Blanc just, mm -hmm. you know, in this vibe, in this small little town of Lake Contamine, and then all of a sudden the runners start coming in, and it's still just an absolute total frenzy. I mean, yeah. we there's there's cowbells, there's kids, there's infants, there's 90-year-old people on the side of the street. We were next to a guy who brought his chainsaw, took the chainsaw off, and he was just full blast just chainsawing blasting the motor. when he came by. <laughs> and, um, you know... It was the, 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 just the vibe is just electric yeah. in those first three towns of Les Uches and in St. Gervais and where we were in Lake Contamine. It was awesome. Yeah. And then we went up to Notre Dame de la Gorge. My first time experiencing that electric energy up there. Well, and also after you leave Lake Contamine, before you go up to Notre Dame, the old stone steep Roman road is where Hoka does the famous like light laser tunnel, tunnel, which, I mean, it's like being at, um, I don't know, um, amusement park yeah. or yeah, yeah it, it's, it's just wild. So after we sent the leaders up out of Notre Dame de la Gorge up to the Col de Bonhomme, that is a symbolic moment in the race. Cause they're going off into the night. They don't have crew support until all the way at Cormier. 
And I remember upon getting back here to Chamonix before catching a few Z's last night, the pack of Jim and Tom and Zach seemed to separate from the rest of the men's field. And that remained the case throughout the night. Who wants to sort of talk about how things evolved from there? Because eventually sort of Tom fell off the pace and then Zach put in a charge to break the elastic on Jim. Yeah. Well, I think it's also important to know like the weather was stellar perfect this year. Mm. So I think that's also important. Like there's, there wasn't a lot of mucking around with, you know, bad weather gear and all that, but uh, yeah, it was a perfect night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The film footage, you know, it always goes dark at night. So then you essentially are prognosticating off of splits all night long, basically from La Bombe, which is just after uh, shortly after Notre Dame and all through the night until really you maybe get some eyes on runners in Cormier. And there was, there was like a three pack of, of, of Tom and Zach and Jim and then there was a little two-pack, right, with uh, German, and I forget who who else was nested in. With it was German. like Mathieu, Mathieu and yeah, um, and Thibaut Grivier and some other French athletes. They had a little chase pack. And so I think I heard. I don't know, Katie, if, or if uh, or, or or anyone else heard. Um, Tom, I think, sort of like his guts weren't working exactly right. And which makes sense because he's such a consistent runner. And normally when you see a runner fall off sort of at that stage, normally it's, it's either guts or a mechanical. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, and I saw him at Cormier. Whoo, he did not look you good. You were at Cormier last night. I was at night. Cormier last night. Tell I've been up it. all night, guys. So I might not make sense. Wow. So forgive me. So just to catch us up to Cormier, yeah. what I remember happening is that Jim and Zach and Tom were separated by only about a minute through Lotcombe Ball. Then you have the climb up to the Arete de Montfarve, a part of the course we all know very well yeah. before you end up dropping down into Cormier. So they were only separated by a couple of minutes at Cormier, and that's where Tom eventually pulled the plug. It was later, though, because I think he actually pulled the plug earlier on, and then we ended up seeing him just walk it in. Yeah. I think he needed to come to us because we heard that he was seeing medics at a different spot and ended up walking to us. And, I mean, we were all, like, trying to, like, we didn't know he had dropped yet, but he was like dead. I mean, he was just pale and like had nothing left. And I guess, yeah, people are saying that he was just like cramping up really bad. We knew something was wrong because at one point we just saw all of the Adidas, like yeah. um, the teammates just like trickled out and we're like, oh, that's not good. So anyways, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see, but I will say the intensity at that time at Cormier, Oh my gosh, of the three of them that you mentioned. So you had Jim and you had Zach and you had Jermaine and they were just like focused. I mean, it was like this deep intensity. And I mean, it was like they didn't get phased by all the crowds and the excitement around them. It was like they were there to just be so focused and they were really like in and out. I think um, at that aid station, actually, Zach like grabbed a banana and chugged some water and just like took off. Yeah. Um, and and Jim took a little bit of time, um, but then caught up to him. And anyways, it was really exciting because they were so close together. And then, and then Zach put that push yeah. on Jim. And so I, I don't know if we want to talk about that, but at that point, I, I was, you know, I was crewing for Leah Yingling. So, but you know, so we had some time, but we wanted to see the front runners for the men. And, um, it was, we were nervous yeah. because we were thinking about what happened last year and how Jim was so fired I up. Think and, everybody was and, thinking and we're the same like, thing. Oh no, yeah. he's going to fade, you know, but then again, 
you know, Zach Miller can fade too. Yeah. So we, we didn't know what was going to happen. It was an exciting day. So just to like catch things up and then to fast forward to when things really got yeah. dramatic, Jim came through Bertone in the lead with Zach only a couple of minutes behind, but then at Bonatti, the next aid station, only a few miles down the trail, Zach was in the lead with Jim a few minutes behind. And then that lead continued to grow all the way to Champagne lock between Zach and the lead Jim in second place. And then dramatically in the live stream, we see Germain Granger, the great French athlete who ended up finishing third catch Jim in that enchanted forest section on the climb up to Champagne lock, which Jim in his post-race interview said really woke him up. Were you guys watching? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was amazing to hear Jim's comments at the, at the finish line, you know, he asked like, Jim, how how do you feel? And he's like, I feel terrible. <laughs> first words Those after his finishing. First words after the first yeah. American male ever finished in <laughs> in in front of a record crowd, and uh, and then he went through it, and he basically said, Hey, I felt terrible, especially on the balcony, uh, which is that section between Bertone and Bonatti on the on the Italian side, and he's like, I was just trying to hang on to uh, to Zach, you know. And, and I, I, th and then he said, German, when he, when, again, when German made that push to pass him and it was, it was unbelievable coverage we had there. And right when he pushed, it was like someone shot adrenaline into Jim and he hooked on to, to German's wheel. And then just when it flattened out, boom, passed him back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, German also, left the aid station first out of Champagne Lock. Like he just had a little faster transition out of Champagne Lock. And, you know, I remember because Germain was like, his pack was all on. He was ready to go. He's just pounding like a big liquid, big, big liquid calories. And Jim still had his pack off and he was sort of grazing on food. And then Germain left and he, he didn't even have time to put his pack on. And he just laid down classic Jim style, like Forest Hill, Western States type of, you know, high knee pace mm -hmm. around Lake Cumball. And he just had to be in front of Germain. So like you, you saw the eye of the tiger with, with Jim and, and that was encouraging because, you know, so often Jim is just feels totally deflated, you know, last year, mm -hmm. that was where his unraveling came. But then there was some voiceover also with Zach at, um, you know, because remember, it, Zach it, it, it left Champagne Lock first. Yep. Yeah, about almost 11 minutes ahead. Yeah, 11 yeah. minutes ahead. And, and Zach, you know, which I mean, is, you, we should say, a healthy gap. Well, I mean, and also, a, there's still a lot of race to go, but 11 minutes of Champagne, like, you have a good chance of winning the race. Well, if that's and apparently, Zach ran in. the fastest split ever from Cormier to Champagne Lock, like five hours and 20 minutes. But then Germain broke it. Germain yeah. ran the section Cormier to Champagne Lock 19 minutes faster than Jim. I mean, five twenty-one versus five forty. You know, Whoa, when I, I when, heard that. when when I when, when I was watching the all three of them run down the valley yeah. to the bottom of the valley from the Grand Coffray, I thought Germain looked the best of mm -hmm. all of them. Mm -hmm. And there was all this com conversation around, you know, an American champion. I thought, oh man, you know, is it going to be another year where one European just wedges in front of a couple of Americans. Oh, that would have been a heartbreaker. And it would have been as a heartbreaker. As we love Germain. I mean, yeah. German, of course we love Germain. Yeah. But, but it was, and then when I, and then when he passed Jim, I thought, man, because, you know, 
Zach was just attacking the climb up to. He, he still really Lake looked Kamal. great yeah. coming up to Champelox. Zach looked in control and yeah. strong. So, just wanting to get back to the gym thing here in just a second, but we are watching Courtney DeWalter close okay. down the We're final a little distracted. couple miles, and it's amazing. I mean, she's got a whole crew of fans and spectators chasing her being the world famous humble champion that she oh, is. What a day guys. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so going back to yeah. Jim, this is one thing that Topher and I and Kim and Harmony and Ryan and stuff are talking about today is like, Jim has screwed up here a couple of times in a way that he definitely recognizes and that he's tried to jo- drop Francois and Killian on the Grand Colfere and then hammer that long downhill right. through La Folie to the climb to Champelac multiple times, and then he eventually implodes. And this year, coming to Champelac in second, and then leaving quickly and catching, making up tons of time on the ensuing climb, my thought was, he's finally figured it out. He knew that he wanted to wait until Champelac to finally hit the gas. Turns out that wasn't the case. He said at the finish line, he just... Wasn't wasn't feeling it. Yeah, it looked strategic, but it yeah. ended up being like just it, the requirement of the day for yeah. him. Although, if you look at it, it played out identically to how Killian ran last year. Like, you know, uh, if you say Zach was Jim last year, because Zach put the same surge that Jim did last year, and he suffered the same thing. And fate. Germain was Mathieu from last year, exactly. and Jim was Killian. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it, it, it ended up playing out really similar, and... You know, Zach still held on for a strong second place finish. And, and I mean, Zach really end. had an incredible run. Yeah. So just to go a little bit deeper, yeah, I just took a couple of the the splits. So it was 11 minutes between Zach and Jim at Champelac. Then Jim absolutely laced that ensuing climb up over the Bovine. At Lagiette, it was only one minute. So it was he made up 10 minutes on that climb and then had a five-minute gap in Trient. So basically, Jim made up 16 minutes between Champelac and Trient. Ridiculous. ridiculous. What did he Incredible. eat ridiculous. in Champelac? That's what I want to know. Exactly. Uh, what, what was he, he grazing on? Well, I, it looked like chips, so I don't know. Chips. And they also, interesting point is... Zach, who came in first to Champelac, he changed his shoes, and also Jim changed his shoes yeah. in Champelac. So it leads me to an inelegant thing that I forgot to do at the beginning of our show, show, which is thank our sponsors. So thank you to Hoka for their sponsorship of Good Morning Mont Blanc and all of our coverage here this week, and for sponsoring the great Jim Walmsley and shepherding him to victory and giving him the shoes <laughs> to change into. <laughs> so a very uh, great place to put an organic I, I th- mean, gratitude for uh, Hoka for making this possible. So. Probably the two, two of the coolest moments I think that just exemplify the sport is one, you know, is Zach was running down to the bottom of that descent off of the Grand Colfere. Francois Dehane is sitting there right at the base of the climb and he gives Zach the biggest high five. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Walmsley comes in and he gives Jim a massive high five. And, and both of them, some really important in words of encouragement. And then at Valorcine, you know, Francois was Jim's crew chief inside that aid station. Goosebumps situation. So cool. Yeah. So and cool. cool. It's just, history. Yeah. you know, two of the fiercest, comp- three of the fiercest competitors in just that sense of like absolute total competitiveness, but shared 
sort of camaraderie. Friendship. Respect is what I think. Yeah, yeah respect, yeah. exactly. And um, yeah, I just think it embodied everything that makes this sport so awesome. Beautiful. Kim, anything you want to add to well, that? Well, I wanted to make sure we talk about the insane frenzy that gathered at the Col de Fourclaw this year. Yeah, okay. It looked like the Tour de France and it was a social media plug to, it was like going to be this Courtney cheer place, but of course they cheer everyone. And it was an insane amount of people, flags, horns, just people yelling, screaming, and um, hopefully people got a chance to see uh, the coverage of that. It was Super cool. remarkable. That was always like our sneaky little spot that we could go to. That's going to be a tradition from now on. I'm sure that's going to be a yeah. madhouse. It was really cool vibe. Bringing it back to this Francois thing and at Valor scene, I went back and watched the replay of that aid station transition multiple times. And it's so cool. And you can hear Francois say to Jim, Hey, don't take any risks. Zach is exploded. Germain is exploded. This is yours today. And then about 15 minutes later, we all saw Jim down the trail. And that was one of the greatest moments of my history in the sport. I, it, it was, it, you're right. I mean, it was amazing. And, and, um, you know, sort of see Jim making history yeah. right there. And, you know, we were, we were on the trail just before the Col de Monte, which is sort of that symbolic point where, you know, like you've got the race, you know, you're coming into this final Chamonix Valley mm-hmm. and there's still a, it's still a brutal amount of course left. I think that's the other thing. But you could feel that Jim was, you know, he was starting to taste it maybe there. He was still pretty focused, but like, you know, and he was still moving really well. Yeah, We could tell at that point that he had it in the bag after we screamed up there in our rental vehicle and parked completely (laughs) illegally and then had to shout at the person who tried to tell us. The gendarme. I said, write me a ticket. We have to see Jim. And we were lucky to be able to, to witness that history, at least in that slightly remote section of the course. So then he goes up and over the final climb. He reaches the finish line here in Chamonix, 19 hours, 37 minutes. I think it was breaking Killian Jornet's course record from last year by 12 minutes. He now puts himself in this elite fraternity of runners that have won the UTMB, the biggest, most important race in the world something that's eluded him, five starts, moved all the way here to France for two years, three-time Western States champion, has achieved so much in his career, and he still went full dedication and finally got it done. It's storybook stuff, isn't it? It's, it, it really is amazing. It's, it's, it's really cool, and I, I do think like his total commitment to immerse himself and live as a European and, and you know... I don't know whether he would say this, you know, clearly there's, you know, Katie, you mentioned respect, friendship with Francois. I'm sure there's some mentorship mm-hmm. and um, just a, a level of bonding. He even said also in his post-race interview, um, you know, he had to learn how to climb these mountains differently mm-hmm. and hike and climb. And, um, and that takes time, you know, I mean, just the humidity is different here. The trail you know, the trail surface is different here. And then just the climbs are steeper in uh, both up and down. And Zach said the same thing. Like someone asked Zach, like, what did you do differently? 
And he's like, I just trained vert. I didn't care about miles. I just trained vert. Mm -hmm. It was like as much up and down as I could possibly do and as much steep as I could possibly do. I was going to say that I think it's pretty incredible what he has shown to all of us about his humility to be able to put his pride aside, his ego aside, and to say, I don't understand these mountains teach me. Right. And like, I think that that kind of giving himself over to the mountain culture, um, is just a really like beautiful way of living in this sport. And, um, it's really inspiring. And I think, I mean, he's shown obviously the versatility that he has, but also that it took a lot of commitment Yes, and five tries. It took. I mean, and moving to Europe, With his partner and, you know, and just that mentorship with so many people. I mean, yeah, I here and I, I anyway, I just have uh, utmost respect for that and how public he was about that. Like I want to learn. And I think that's a lesson that he can teach all of us. Yeah. Um, Thanks for saying that, Katie. I wanted to also mention too, on the subject of humility in the post-race interview, of course they ask him, so what does it mean to you to finally be the first American male to win this race? And he sort of shrugged and he said, you know, the American women have done it. And I'm just happy to sort of stand on their shoulders. And it was also just like one of those beautiful (laughs) responses that, you know, you know, just showcased his class as a human being and as an athlete. So, man, we could talk about Jim for hours, but we should sort of cover some of the other stuff that went on. So if there's any closing remarks. And Courtney is running into town. Courtney's (laughs) at the final miles here. I would just say, I mean, I think think we have three uh, American males in the top, uh, 10. Ten. So I, Tyler Green had a hell of a, uh, in seventh. a, a, a oh. run in seventh. Zach's race, he raced signature Zach style, like all out, start to finish. He also finished in just under 20 hours, just buried himself to get in under 20 hours. And now we have, you know, Courtney, female champion. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting when we do the final tally for, you know, ultra running performance of the year, male and female. I certainly, the top of my list probably for Courtney will be, Courtney will be the top of my list. Yeah. It, not revealing, <laughs> yeah. not revealing my ballot already, but it's not a controversial it's stance. Yeah. It's the, probably her Western states, uh, like her Western take? states, uh, uh, chorus record in gym here yep. at UTMB. At least that is the male and female, uh, performance of the year so far. I think it was pretty obvious. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm not revealing any ballot that any other ballot won't have. Right. <laughs> so I guess, you know, we are watching Courtney finish right now. So maybe let's talk about her and then come back and talk about Zach and maybe some of the rest of the top 10. And for our listeners, our plan is to talk through as much as we can fit into a reasonable amount of time here. And then we'll be back tomorrow to do a fuller, deeper debrief on the women's top 10 as they make their way to the finish line this evening and into tonight. But Courtney, as you said, Toph, winning course record at Western States, one of the greatest performances in history, if not the greatest, breaking her own course record at Hard Rock. Now the three-peat or the uh, sort of trifecta of world-class world championship, 100-mile races in a single summer. She's not going to break her own course record here. In fact, she'll be almost an hour slower but still it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, you don't know what else to say anymore. You know, like it truly is no superlative could describe the summer of Courtney Dualter. I mean, Dylan Topher and I 
I can't remember. Were you at Hard Rock also? I mean, we were there at all three of those races. So it's like, I feel like, I mean, what she has done is just remarkable. I mean, each of those races alone is a super challenge. And like, she just has raised the bar so high. It is yeah. unbelievable. And I, I mean, granted, she suffers. She admits, I go to the pain cave. But I mean, she's got a smile on her face and she's just such a great example in the sport. I, I love the gal. Yeah. Katie, I'm you finished. You finished. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like been an emotional day, you know, like, anyways, crewing for Leo is really special, but um, lots of tears all day and I'm exhausted. <laughs> right but on. Like watching this, like watching her finish. And if you're watching us right now, I really hope that you first went and watched uh, the men's finishes and watching Courtney finish right now. I mean, and the rest of the women um, that will come after it's, it's just <laughs> such like a historic event and yeah, it's pretty cool. It's happening like right there. We can I hear mean, all the cheers. Look, look at her. Like, I mean, so she cool. is amazing. We should yeah. say for the record that this has never happened. Somebody winning Western States hard rock and UTMB in the same summer. This will never happen again. I was thinking about something yeah. earlier, you know, I've always like sort of loosely followed professional tennis and the last 20 years have been amazing with Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams. We've had Killian, Francois, Jim and Courtney. And it's just like, what an era of the sport to live through. <laughs> and of course, Francois has sort of been on the shelf for a little bit. Killian's been sort of inactive this season, but had a spectacular season last year. And now Jim, you know, finally winning here, tying a bow on that American men can't figure it out storyline that will never be a conversation ever again. And now Courtney brings home the third victory. I mean, look yeah. at the people. It yeah. is Nobody's just amazing. Cheering. Like it's every uh, phenomenal trail runner. Well, she deserves wants her to a win. celebration <laughs> with all yeah. these people and look at the, you know, so she brings a smile and a happiness and a joy that is just amazing. Oh, Don't fall. So 23, 29 and change here for Courtney as we watch her finish live while we record this podcast. And I think all of us are pretty emotional so about it. I saw her at Sean Paylock and she was hurting. I mean, she had her headphones on and she talks about this. Like when I'm in the deep in the pain cave, I throw my headphones on and I just like, she did not acknowledge any spectator, which is unlike Courtney. Yeah. Um, and she was just like beeline for straight ahead and just focus. I don't even know if she blinked. She was just listening to her headphones and like, doing her little like very efficient Courtney shuffle. And that was a Shumpy lock, yeah. right? So she had a long way to go in that pain cave. She was in the hurt locker deep and I, I, she got it done. Yeah. So She's cool. Just too good. And you know, these races, especially UTMB is hard to nail and get down. I mean, the days leading up of all the people here, the excitement, the other races going on, athlete, you know, presentations and appearances. It's, uh, there's a lot like just to get to that start line ready to go and yeah. rested is, is also a big part of this race. Yeah. Two American champions this year. Yeah. Officially now, you, you know, she, it's in, in, there's something about Courtney that's, that's also super humble. You know, we were asking her, we were Billy in Hillary's wedding earlier this year and we we're chatting with, with Courtney and, and Kevin and, and it's like, okay, Courtney, so 
what's your game plan at Western State? She's like, well, I'm batting like, what is it? 500, 50, 50. Like I've won once and dropped once and same at hard rock. So I, I don't, I just want to go like have a good run. Yeah. And I don't think she's, that's not her just talking herself down. Like that's her just being straight up. Like, and there's, there's just something about her that's just got an effervescence and she's so great for the sport. And, um, Again, another just amazing, like you said, I mean, there's, it's amazing. We have these type of people that are at the top of their game that are so representative of the best characteristics of a human nature yeah. and human beings, you know? Yeah. We had Courtney and Kevin in here earlier in the week with Ryan and we had a fun little pre-race interview with them. And I always sort of, one of the things I've always thought about with her is like, she is the perfect coming together of raw talent and like love of the game, you know? Yeah. And I think Jim sort of represents that too. You know, he's, he's so good. And anybody who's seen Jim run, you'd identify just his unique, he's just a piston, a specimen that was uniquely designed to run. But critically, he also works his ass off and he's willing to do the big sacrifice things like move to Europe for two years to try and accomplish his goals. And I think the coming together of those two things of like human talent with love of the game and hard work, dedication, Jim and Courtney are two great examples. But of that. also it's so much more than just hard work and dedication. Like, I mean, these people are professional athletes this is their entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. But they have like the pressure of their, all of us, like yeah, we are all yeah. putting that on these two athletes on, you know, so many athletes, but I mean, them in particular, uh, for this race was very heavy. And totally. I mean, I was like, you know, you always get like worried about them. Almost like the mother instinct comes off where you're like, oh my gosh, like yeah. take care of them. Let's, you know, protect them. But because they, there was just doing so many things with their sponsors and yeah. activities and doing X, Y, and Z and camps and whatever. And you're just like, they still are able to just masterclass yeah. this. Yeah, and it's just incredible. You're right. I mean, it, it is sort of interesting. Kim touched on it as well. Like the, the weeks leading up to this race now is got to be such an important part of this strategy to get it right. Because you can burn so much energy in so many matches just in the five days before the start. Yep. And if you have sponsors that aren't sort of respecting your time or you're overextending it, or you're just, I mean, all you have to do is just walk down the, the, the main street of Chamonix and you're inundated with people. And so how they manage that is, is so important. We're watching Courtney get a big hug from friend and teammate, four-time champion Francois Den right now too. Another just <laughs> historical great. So geez, I guess on that point too, Toph, one thing that I've been thinking about this week as it relates to Jim, and then we can start talking about everything else that happened today and this weekend, because there's a lot. Jim also has kept his head completely low, exactly. you know, really all summer, but this week, you know, didn't do a single interview. From what I heard, he didn't even talk to Hoka. He was at home. Interesting. <laughs> he was at home, you know, a few valleys over and was just putting himself in the best possible position. Exactly. I mean, he here. rolled into town like Wednesday evening or maybe yeah. Thursday, just in time for basically this sort of required press event. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then laid low even while he was here. And if you think about it, like Jim had, you know, I mean, he sort of, 
blew his ankle apart, from what I understand, shortly after Istria, just out for like an hour run, and had to take two months off, uh, and it took longer to heal. And, you know, those sorts of vulnerabilities always sort of eat at the back of your mind. And um, he obviously was able to push all that aside. I mean, to your point, all the pressures, Katie, that that come on a professional athlete leading up to an event like this. And, um, you know, the champions feels master. Like they take it both so gracefully, yeah. you know, like yeah. they don't feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. They're like, it's just a race. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. You know, I want to make my loop around the mountain, you know, kind of a thing. And anyways, it's I, really inspiring. I really hope I can get Jim to come in here tomorrow to have a quick conversation. <laughs> Jim and Jess, it would yeah, be really that, great. That would be great. Actually, maybe you've been texting with Jess. I I don't know if you want to. Yeah. I mean, we just, you know, a couple little exchanges along the way with uh, Jim's wife, Jess. And um, because, you know, as a wife to an ultra runner, I mean, Harmony knows like it's, I mean, it is like so intense. You're waiting. You don't know how they're going to feel. So I know like for her, this is as big of a deal and as big of a win for her too. Like yeah. it really is like a team effort. I bet it's I a mean, huge, same with Kevin and Courtney. Yeah. It's a know? huge feeling of relief probably yes. for her too, because we all know that when <laughs> things don't go well, we can be cantankerous. How long is this going to Miserable, <laughs> unpleasant jerks yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I we mean, meanwhile, so our, our good yeah. friend, Tim Tolson is out there on an, yeah. an epic you know, yeah, I want mission. to recognize vision some of the people quest. who are yeah. out there doing the vision quest, but let's quickly do a review of the the rest of the men's top 10. So I was saying to Ryan earlier this afternoon, the French put six men in the top 10 here this year. And he said, how many did they have in the top two? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> second I place. Love that. Zach, nice. Zach nice. Miller puts it together here. He was ninth in 2017, the year I did it. He was fifth last year, just behind Jim, 20 minutes behind Jim running sub 20, like Topher mentioned here today. And, and the one thing that I wanted to say on Zach, and then I'll open it up to the floor is like, you know, Zach was kind of a, you know, world-class world dominator type athlete through 2018. He was on the shelf 2019, 2020, 2021. He had like three years out of world-class competition. So what a great example of like, you can battle back from anything, putting together one of the great hundred mile performances of the modern era to take second place behind Jim today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Zach is, uh, it's also a reminder, like the body heals and, and, you know, you have to respect the healing process and, you know, Killian, you know, it was, it was, was, uh, it was impressive that Killian chose not to take the start. And he was talking in an interview at Sears and all, and just said, yeah, me, I'm, I'm injured and this is part of the sport. And, uh, if I feel good, then I'll race. And if I don't, I'll give my body, I have to respect my body to recover. And, you know, I think, I think Zach's ability to, you know, keep an eye on still having goals, but also release yourself and let your body heal was, was remarkable. And to come back and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I, Katie, you probably can experience and, and empathize with that. Deeply. <laughs> um, I think for me, that journey, and obviously I can't speak for him, um, but it feels as if it's trust within himself. Like he is such a grinder and like a gritty person that he's like, I mean, I feel like he would like trust that he's like, I'm going to get 
to my goals, no matter what it takes. Right. And it's like, nothing's going to get in my way. And I don't care who you are or what my goal, whatever. It's like, it's happening. And I just feel like he is so driven, um, to his goal that like, yeah, I think it's that like deep trust within himself. And, um, I think as an athlete, for me, I think that's part of the reason I feel personally, I can be more positive when I'm injured because I'm like, I'll be back. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I trust myself. Like I'm a lifelong runner and I'm not here to, like, I'm not a visitor to the sport and let's, this is a little temporary thing. And I can, you know, and I think that that trust is something that he just really embodies. So well, yeah, and I think true. like Zach, he genuinely loves this sport. He mm-hmm. does so much giving back, yep. you know, when he travels with the bus to events and giving out popsicles, making donuts. I mean, he is, you know, not only a great runner in the sport, he's a great person in the sport. And I mean, that's what I love about Zach. I mean, too. he was, he was literally pulled an all nighter the night of hard rock out in the middle of nowhere in Cunningham mm-hmm. and made 500 donuts for everyone who came and, and, and he and his partner, Jess just handed them out, made them all night, handed them out. And, you know, he was, you know, as he went through Lake Contamine, he dropped a little tissue out of his, out of his pack. I don't even know how he felt or saw or heard it. Cause it was right <laughs> by this chainsaw guy. And <laughs> He runs back, picks it up, and I, apparently he was picking up trash all along the race course, even in the, the last 10 miles of the race, like picking up wrappers. It's just, the, the, the guy has just it's, awesome value. It's yeah. super cool, and he has a lot of family here from Pennsylvania. His high school cross-country coach is here. So, I mean, it's, you know, of course, these races mean a lot, like, yeah. you know, to your family and others that are here with you to experience it. I, I, to I was going to say, so Rod Favard, um, who mammoth local, um, yeah, so proud Rod. of you. Yes. Uh, so he battled, um, but I will, I just wanted to say about Zach, um, Rod ended up coming in 17th after like a deep, deep struggle trying to hang on to 10th for a while. And anyways, but he finished in 17th and didn't spiral and I was so proud of him. And at that finish line, I got to see Rod cross that finish line and guess who's there. Zach. His mentor at the North Face. Oh, Zach oh great. So that's his mentor. Big training block together. And it was cool. Yeah. Like they had a moment. It was like, they, I mean, I have it on video. It was really cool. They're like chatting and he's like, tell him about his pack and what worked out. And they're like having these moments because they've, he's mentored him. How cool after what Zach just did for him to come back for Rod another, and be at that finish line for him. So cool. Just like the spirit of the sport. I was like just going to say, like competitiveness. We're barely the scratching the, the surface of yeah. the amazing stories. And it's like, in what other sport do you get this? You know, like this is just the greatest. I mean, ever. I mean, watch that. Watch go, go online tomorrow and look for Zach Miller in this shot of him crossing the finish line, and it will be his arms stretched out pointing mm. at Jim Walmsley. And yeah. it's like every ultra running athlete, the greatest desire they have is to be on the biggest stage with the absolute best athletes in the world and test themselves against them. Yeah. And to have true competition. And, and I think that's Zach pointing it like, this is a human being that 
got the very best out of me and I think I helped get the very best out of him. Yeah. And, and that was recognition like at the finish line. So similar to like yeah. Rod and, and, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cool. But, I mean, Zach's had that, I feel like time and time again in his career. And I feel like he really brings that out in his competitors yeah. too, right? Like exactly. I'm thinking Drew exactly. and Zach at Worlds this year, right. like how they yeah. battled exactly. it out like to the last second, right? Exactly. And they both collapse at the finish line. And I mean, I he feel never like gives he's up. so fierce no. No. that he just, yeah, he brings that on everybody that's around him. Exactly. So yeah. Really great point. Holy smokes, guys. Well, <laughs> moving so that's on. That's two athletes yeah, we've covered. So, <laughs> we're really making Who's great progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we should spend just a, a little bit of time on Germain, and then maybe we could just kind of tick through the, the rest of the men's top 10 more quickly. But he put together just another fantastic race here, going from ninth to fifth. He had a blip last year, getting COVID, DNFing in Cormanair. Now moving up to a podium position here. He won the Mont Blanc 90K earlier in the summer. And of course, his partner, Katie Scheid, second at Western States, second at OCC. One thing that um, maybe I could, I'll just uh, you know toss up to the group and you can add whatever you want. But when they were in here earlier in the week doing their pre-race interviews, they said that one of the big adjustments they made this year is they don't do the same races now. And it seems like it's had good results. You know, they both had fantastic seasons and they've been there to support one another in their goals. I, you know, I would say those two are, are emerging as the definition of their, their signature style is execution. Mm -hmm. I mean, both Katie and, uh, German, and I, I don't know German only know him through learning about him with, with getting to know Katie and, you know, they, the other thing they don't do is they don't train together. Yeah. Like they, they have very, but they're, they're absolute professionals in how they train and how they prepare. And they're extremely thorough in how they prepare. And, um, and I think there's, there's, there's something in that recipe, but they are both just absolute um, pros at, at executing. Yeah. I mean, and they're a real team, like super supportive and he's a great follow on Instagram yeah, actually, like just fun, you know, great images, but yet like has fun with, uh, you know, joking around. So great yeah. follow. He, he, you know, he finished third, just 10 minutes really off of Zach. And, and the reality is like, and, and Jim said it, you know, German finished third. The reality is German was the spark yep. that, that, that lit Jim in on that climb up to, uh, Champagne lock. I mean, yep. Jim, Jim acknowledged it. And, um, and it's, it's good. He gave him credit there because it really was that three, that three pack mm -hmm. that really pushed and, and they were, they were just ahead of that next three pack yeah. or four that were all finishing then 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh. There's like three, I think it was three French in a, and we had Tyler wedged in between one of them, right? Yeah. So there was, so Germain finished in 20 hours, 10 minutes, a sick fast time that would win the race, probably 17 of the 20 years of UTMB. And Matthew Blanchard, who is in fourth place, finished 45 minutes later. So that top right. three really pushed each other to three of the greatest UTMBs of all time. Uh, you know, I think another thing too is with talking about Tyler, I mean, he's an example. He and Rachel, they came over here. They dedicated themselves to this event. She had a great OCC. He had a great UTMB. They came here, they trained. 
they have a new child, you know, they brought some family to come and help. I mean, people, I think it is, uh, important, like coming here, training is part of the model to executing here and, and they did it and, and seeing couples coming and doing it is, is, is fun to see. And what did we say on our drive up to uh, Argentina earlier today? Harmony and I were like, yeah, we're coming next year, the whole summer. <laughs> I got to do this race one more time before it's so all said and done. I was crewing Leah. And so before we took off to go see her at Cormier, we went back to the house and that's where Leah and Mike were staying. There were roomies with Rachel and Tyler and Lou. And of course, uh, Tyler's parents were also staying there. So we had to be really quiet and we kept making noises. And it was like this, you know, we're like, oh God. And they're all so nice. And basically we're all like, let's all wake up. Like, let's, we don't have time for sleep. Let's get on with the day. We were just all so excited, but it was really fun being together. You know, like we're all at Cormier together, Rachel and I are having a blast. Like, it's just like a community, you know, feel in that way. Um, But it was really, really cool to see how these two roommates that have been roommates all summer, you know, well, for the last couple of weeks at least, uh, have... uh, you know, it's really cool. Seventh yeah. place finish for Tyler. And yeah. Then soon want, to be hopefully eight. I want to hear more about your, your night okay. and day yeah. with Leah, but just to add my perspective on Tyler here, of course, he's been a good friend and sort of occasional training partner when we were living in Portland, his good friend, Jordan Carey, who's been his crew chief at all his big hundred mile races. Soon as Tyler finished, Jordan just texted me a shrug emoji, basically like, well, he did it again. No big deal. Just perfect execution. You know, probably being in 30th place back at Notre Dame de la I mean, even at Valorcine, I'm not sure how many people he passed, but I'll pull it up. I I don't know the stats, but I was looking and I'm like, Tyler, just moving up. He's so solid. And again, we should just repeat for those who are unfamiliar, Tyler did finish a very proud second place for the second time at Western stage. Just you got the double. All right, here, top 10. Okay. So here's some, some some good progression here. So he was 39th at Col de Vosa at the top of the first climb, 38th in Saint Gervais, 33rd in Lake Contamine. Let's see. He started moving up. He was 17th in Cormier. Moves into the top 10 in Trient. 11th in Valor Scene. 7th by the time he gets back wow. to Chamonix. Yeah. That's Shrug amazing. Emoji City. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a, that is that a beautiful is Tyler executed race. That's a fun yeah. way to end a race. Holy smokes. Okay. So let's go through the rest of the men's well, top 10. I here. mean, the next after uh, Machu is. Ludo. Ludo. Oh I mean, could, 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 I'm not you though. The last okay. three years, oh, okay. third place, second place, fourth yeah. place, incredible, remarkable consistency. So just wanted to say that Matthew putting together, I mean, it's a race that won't be talked about among all these other amazing performances here today. But again, a, another top five for Matthew. It'll amazing. be, it would be interesting for you to have a conversation with Matthew. Cause last year, you know, I was talking with him just after, um, you know, on Sunday after the race, and I was asking him if he was taking his golden ticket to come to Western States. It's like, ah, oh, I finish just 15 minutes behind Killian. I think I have unfinished business here. <laughs> so he did come to Western States, and you know, he had a he had a he had a run there. It wasn't the run he wanted, I'm yeah. sure, but he had a he had a solid seventh run. or eighth, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he had a he had a solid run. Um, and I'll, it would be interesting to know, like, 
is because he still ran a that's a solid time as well. Twenty forty five is like an yep. absolutely solid time. Twenty fifty four, just 2054, under twenty one okay. hours for a fourth place finish. Fantastic. Yeah. But it, it's a reminder, like, hey, those those really special days are special because they're very very rare. So true. And so, like, you think you just all you needed was fifteen minutes more for the win, but the reality is, like, that day, that moment. I mean, that's why you got to celebrate the the really special days because you just don't know when you're going to have another one yeah. like that. The only thing you do know, unless you're Courtney or Francois or Killian or Jim or whatever, <laughs> is that it's going to happen precious few times yeah. in your life. And yeah. so appreciating those moments is very important. So Ludo, who wants to go on the oh, Ageless Wonder? He was like in the 50s. Like he was like all the way back. He was like 54th, 50s. I mean, like. I mean, that's his style. The year insane. he won the race, he what was a at champion. like cold, the cold bomb in like 70th and he won the race. I mean, it's his okay. style. All right. Now I have Ludo up here. This is even more remarkable yeah. than Tyler. He was 49th at cold Tyler was 39th. Let's see. He 25th by the time he got to Cormier moves into the top 10 at the Grand Col Foray fifth at Trient. Unbelievable. Went as high as fourth and then finished fifth. Unbelievable. 50th to fifth for Ludovic Pomeray, 48 years old. 48 years old. So it's amazing. TDS champ, Diagonal de Fou champ. He gives me hope. And it's not, and he was, I mean, yeah, another, another source of immense like inspiration, right? That this sport, yeah, it gives you, it's got enormous longevity. And, you know, maybe I, we saw him riding his bike all around town all week. I he mean, was he was at the Hoka party on Thursday night until like midnight. <laughs> yeah. So, so he sort of was like the opposite of monk mode that some of these Americans are in. And, 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 and I sort of believe in that monk mode mentality the week of, of UTMB, but for him, it works. I mean, he's, um, he's a fountain of youth somehow. So then sixth place is Thibaut Grivier, former CCC champion and a great French athlete who I think really highly of. I sort of view him as sort of the next Francois, just sort of like the humble, quiet assassin executor. He was ninth last year and what I think was a very hard finish for him. Of course, top 10 at UTMB is great. Somebody of his caliber, I think that was not representative of his potential taking a step up here, finishing sixth. I'm sure he still feels like he can do a lot better, but Thibaut Garivier was in sixth. Again, we've mentioned Tyler green, then Hannes, the Adonis Nomberger in eighth place in 21, 20 Arthur, Juyu Bouillon ninth place, 21, 31 and Baptiste Chassain, another Frenchman, 21, 38 against six Frenchmen in the top 10. Any, Comments on the rest of those names that I just listed. I, I thought it was amazing how much that jumped around all day. Like it was like, you didn't know how it was going to shake, like shake yeah. up because you're it's like, it didn't. Yeah. If it was, you know, five miles sooner or whatever, like it, five miles you know later, it would have been different, you know? So it just, it was really interesting to me, to be honest. I thought we all thought because we were following Tyler really closely that Tyler was going to come in eighth or ninth. And then he was seventh and we were like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool that he passed Hans on the, on the really final descent. Um, a couple kilometers in town, I think. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was exciting. I think also like 
this race has historically been known as just the race of attrition. Like you normally go to bed the first night, at, you know, when, when the, when the coverage goes dark overnight in the mountains, you wake up, you're like, what happened? Right. Like half the top field just dropped. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not really the, that's not really the beginning to not be the norm. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things in the top 10, I think Katie's right on, like it was tight it stayed tight and it actually moved around, but there wasn't that attrition rate that you see of people just like dropping. I mean, you had some, right? You had, you had, uh, you had Tom Petterengal, Evans, Tom Evans, Pal Capel, Esther Chileg, Pal Capel. So you so did have some, some attrition. Yeah you, you Bueller. Some, yeah. yeah. you did have some attrition there, but, but to your point, it's, it's usually bigger than that. It's yeah. usually worse than that. Yeah, Exactly. Well, I feel like we should give some recognition to sort of the, the people who are still out there battling, yes. even though their competitive ambitions and their goals are far in the rear view. Uh, get him in Grinius finished just after Courtney DeWalter. He's a former podium finisher here. He was in 26. So Courtney finished 25th overall. Tim Tollefson's out there marching it out. Matt Daniels. Matt Daniels is out there marching it out. I'll pull right up where, where Matt is here. Well, Jeff Colt is out there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. So I I love that. I mean, I I'm a I'm the biggest believer of like that to me are these are all great champions in the champion mindset that like you you put all of your time and effort to come here to this event. And it's so easy to just so, sort of say, ah, you know, I don't want to damage my body. I want to maybe pick another race. And um but there's something to be said about getting this done. I've never heard a single person feel more content finishing poorly over dropping out. Yeah. Like you, it always is more painful to drop out. And um, of course you should never do like physical or mechanical damage to your body. But if you're just tired, uh, even if you're sort of a champion, and I, I just have immense respect for that. Probably the greatest champion sort of finishing was Hal Croner, who was at the time the Western States champion and the Hard Rock champion. And he was sort of going for his 0 for 3. So he was here three years in a row on his third third run at, at uh, UTMB and was going for it, blew up and walked it in for a 42-hour finish. Ooh. Uh, ran, ran, I think to Cormier in nine and a half hours and then finished in 42. I think something, something like that. He literally ran his balls off. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, he yeah. was chafing in areas literally. we've, 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 we, we can't. He finished wearing that. like all the mandatory kit. He was just a big muddy mess. Like it's one of those moments we went and saw him coming down in and we were just like, Oh my gosh. He just stopped. He's talking to us. And, but, but yeah, like people like that literally gutting it out to make it is yep. amazing. So just to give a few shout outs to the names we just mentioned, Jeff Colt sitting in 62nd place, our boy, Tim Tollefson sitting in 72nd place and Matt Daniels, God bless him is in 214th place right now. Like that's just 
to put that in context, those are actually still exceptional places yes. right now. So um, th this isn't literally an implosion. This is just not even close to what they are capable of. But that's that's not a that's not an absolute self destruction mode yet. Yeah. That's and just they're a, going that's into is, you need to find a reason to keep going. You're at right. That point. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah and they're going to be going into a second night, meaning using a headlamp again, where these guys <sighs> are probably not even used to using a headlamp. We're certainly <laughs> not used to running not 100 miles in more than 24 hours. And uh, just to bring something full circle here, our co-host on the broadcast on Thursday, Myel Backhausen, is out there running. He may still with be Tim. with Tim. Yeah, he's That's in so cool. 68th place, so they may be together in a yeah. small group. Wait, so. don't we have some other American women? We've got Leah. We've yeah, so, oh, they're so not over yet. So I don't, yeah. Can though? we talk? Yeah, so, so maybe I'll do just this? like a quick okay. women's top 10 from like Valerscene or wherever the, the last split was. And There's then been a big we change can talk that about, just happened. Okay, so yeah. let me pull that up here. Hot takes. Really? I mean, if you've got yeah. it up, yeah, feel yeah, free yeah. to just launch into it. I mean, so, all right. So Courtney's in. It looks like Katharina has 17 minutes until the finish. Oh, what a day she has yeah. had. I'm going to cry thinking about it. Um, yeah. German athlete who has, I mean, she honestly put some pressure on Courtney. I mean, if you want to say it, but it felt like that because it was like, oh, she's only 42 minutes back, you know? And we were all like, oh my God, is she going to catch <laughs> Courtney at one point? And then, you know, Courtney had her you know, made a much bigger uh, gap. But at one point we felt that. Um, and really before that it was Blandine and, and we were like, oh, Blandine might catch her, you know, but, but Blandine, it was her debut hundred miler. And, uh, you know, she went out hot and she did end up fading a little bit, but this just happened. Uh, it was Courtney and then Katharina and then Fuzhou, yeah. sorry, um, our Chinese athlete who we've been following closely. She's been tight on third, um, but it looks like Blandine just passed her. Yep. So now Blandine's back in the podium. Um, and then it looks like she's put on quite a gap on Fuzhou. So, and wow, what a race Fuzhou's yeah. had. Oh my gosh. And has looked so strong all day. And I will say it was really interesting watching. Uh, I'm thinking, God, what, what aid station? I think it was Champé-Lac. It was Champé-Lac. Watching the men, at Jean Belloc, the top men, they didn't, they didn't look great. I mean, they were hurting yeah. already. And the top women just looked so good. Really? I mean, it was like Courtney was hurting, but it felt like everybody was like, just really felt like consistent and just like still smooth. And I was really impressed. Like I'm, we're not going to see any drops here. Yeah. Uh, so an excellent, it's been the same names in the top 10 really all day. Yeah. Um, so maybe, yeah. maybe I'll just list through what we've got here yeah. and, and where the most recent updates are. Again, Courtney is finished. Katerina Harmuth, Blandine, Lee Hirondel and Fuzhou Zhang are all through La Flegere. They should finish in that order, second, third, and fourth, yeah. barring some catastrophe. Again, we're going to do a much deeper dive on the women's race tomorrow like we have for the men. Then Maite Mayora was in fifth, leaving Valerscene, followed by Katarzyna Solinska from Poland, Elsa McDonald, Canadian, and then the American duo of Leah Yingling and Sabrina Stanley in eighth and ninth, and Lucy Bartholomew from Australia rounding out the top 10. Tell us about your experience with Leah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was such a cool experience watching Leah just oh what a crusher. So uh first, I mean, it's tough to crew here. I didn't realize that. I mean, as I'm, I'm sure it's very obvious, I'm a very noob here. Uh this is my first time at Chamonix where we Chamonix during UTMB week, but it's it's tough. I mean, to get to Cormayer, to first to get to Contamine, um, just Mike uh went 
Aaliyah's husband. And then he came back and picked up uh, my husband and Pete and I. And then we went to Cormier together. And it was like, you know, I have to take the, the, the tunnel over. It took a long time. You get to Cormier and you just have hours, you know, but it's like so fun, you know, so we're not sleeping yeah. and then we couldn't wait for the lead men to come in and we were just having a blast. It was really fun. Um, and we stayed there all the way through, gosh, hours. Uh, and then they had a great cafe open. We had pastries and coffee and that was fun. And then um, we ended up going uh, the long way to Champelac. It took us over two hours to get to Champelac because we heard that the tunnel was like basically shut down. People were there for two over two and a half hours. So mm -hmm. we we're like, let's take the longer route. Much better. I actually highly recommend it. It was beautiful, stunning, right? And we were there just as the sun was rising and we beautiful little villages and we had a great time. We get to Champelac and we're just watching, you know, everybody come through. It was a really great day. I mean, I could go on and on, but watching Leah crush and her intensity and watching her focus was really, um, really cool. When we got to Triant, um, I will say there was like definitely a breakdown of Mike, Pete and I, because Leah was digging real deep and Sabrina was right on her tail. And, uh, yeah. And I think that it was really inspiring for me because you knew how hard she was, she was working, but she says, I think I'm, I think I'm a stronger climber than Sabrina. Like she still had this, like I can focus on something positive. So yeah, she's my, like my the descending female Tyler green. I she, feel like she's just I mean, solid. She's, never she's screws gonna, it up. Yeah. I mean, she's going like to get she's gotta, Tyler's going to get seventh. This yeah. is what's going to happen. It's According really cool. According to the UTMB algorithm here, it does look like she's got a very comfortable gap on Sabrina back in ninth place. Where now, is she now? She's through Valorcine. It estimates okay. about an hour to the yeah. with Sabrina about an hour 55. So she's, I mean, she's put a gap. you know, Leah is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just Katie's comment of, you know, she's just such a crusher. She's, she just, I, I bet if we look at her splits where she started, she also moves up like her signature style is um, not necessarily running recklessly off the front. Like, like a Zach Miller style. Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, always works her way up the field. And um, man, one person you would never want behind you she hunts. is Leah Yingling. She hunts you. She's a great closer. So, so yes. I, I pulled her closer. splits up here too. And they only have it listed in overall place. So it won't be as easy to understand as the Ludo and Tyler stuff. Right. But for example, she was in 178th overall in Saint-Gervais very early in the race. And she now sits in 57th overall. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So great, great and, execution from Leah too. Yeah, I will give, I mean, I will say like Maid, um, the Spaniard and Katazina, the Polish runner, both looked great. Katazina, especially. Wow. Like really when I watched her come through, uh, Champelac, she was closing hard on, on Elsa McDonald at the time. And I was really worried about Elsa. Um, and Elsa has dropped back, um, behind her. Um, Elsa, I, I'm, she's a teammate of mine. Um, and it was, so we talked about her plans before the race and she was like, I'm not racing until Champelac and we get to Champelac and she was like walking, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had a good talk because she's like, look, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not worried about anybody else, but she had kind of let that competitive fire go because she's like, I'm just surviving. Right. And, and I think that as athletes, we get that when you're just like, I, I can only do what I can do. And she's just, you know, hoping for a top 10 here. Um, but I, 
you know, occurring for Leah, like also had that information to give to Leah, which is kind of fun. But anyway, it just, it, it was a, it's a, it's fun. I mean, it was just all camaraderie. Like we're, we're going to Adidas. Hey, do you guys have any more ice? Because they're going to give it to Sabrina and they had some extra and so we can give it to Leah and we're all just kind of helping each other out. And I feel like it was just a really positive day. Um, but we're, you know, it was stressful. Like, you know, there was a tight group and uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. Really fun. Yep. Yeah. So we can probably start winding down here. Um, yeah. This has been a great discussion and a great. Wait, can we say something for Lucy? Because Lucy, this was a big, big race for Lucy. Of course. Top 10. She's going to get it. And she's been like right there all day, top 10. And I just thrilled. That's all I wanted yeah, to say. And also Lucy job, after Lucy. this is going to Hawaii and doing the uh, Hawaii Ironman. Right. So that's pretty in incredible. Kona in October. In Kona. Right. Yeah. So one other point I wanted to make that's relevant to CCC, not UTMB before we wind down and then I'll give you guys the floor for any closing remarks, but Holy smokes to the Americans and the North Americans show up at CCC also. And I mean, what an awesome year we've had as a, you know, unabashedly biased sort of American oriented <laughs> trail running media company every trail. I just want to give some big love to the big performances. The Americans did at CCC yesterday. Of course, Helen Mino Faulkner really puts an exclamation point on her season. She's definitely in trail runner of the year contention right now. Third yeah. place finish. I mean, and we could also adopt Emily Hoggett into this North American circle <laughs> sure. too. Of course yeah. she's from Zimbabwe, but lives in California. She finished second, but Helen true American finishing third, Emily Schmitz finishing fifth, Emily Svon Avis finishing eighth, Tara Fraga finishing ninth, a good friend of Ryan's. And then Arden Young, Canadian, finishing 10th in the women's race. And then, of course, the men, amazing finishes. Dakota Jones, John Ray, Drew Holman, Seth Ruling, finishing 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th in CCC yesterday. And Hannah, you got Hannah all good? Was, she got 11th. Oh, she got 11th. Yeah, she was just off my screen there. I know, I just love to her. Anyway, pretty uh, a lot of stuff to be excited about, a lot of stuff to be proud of a lot of stuff to be grateful for. It was an amazing weekend. Any closing comments from the panel here? I would just have to say, I mean, you come each year to this event and you're like, how does it keep getting bigger this year? Like brands having big presence and activation of product launches and the trade part. Yeah. Yeah. Like as Tover, what'd you call it? The, I call it a combination of burning man, uh, industry like a, a running industry trade show and the tour de france all wrapped up mm. into one it's a great way um, to put it and it's uh it's it'll be it's especially amazing. like it'll be especially like burning man tonight when i'm yeah. <laughs> climbing, climbing, climbing just just running around nude. <laughs> with an american flag tied around my neck yes. <laughs> keep going toe no but i was you know it's the 20th year you know another another chapter is written in utmb history and and this is an amazing one, right? I mean, it's the first uh, American overall male finisher, uh, you know, in a uh, fastest time, record time. And it's a three-time champion now with, with Courtney DeWalter and her, and her execution of the trifecta summer. And then all of the other American talent that's sitting just behind those two champions in three championship races at hundred miles, hundred K and 50 K. We even mentioned the OCC races as well that equally had impressive American uh, right. or North American finishes. So 
<clears throat> I feel like this is the year the Americans, both the, the women have cracked the code here, but the guys are cracking the code too. And, and I think it's just a sign of more things to come. Yeah, absolutely. Katie. Greatest race in the world. Best, best race, best week. Oh, I've definitely drank the Kool-Aid. Yes. <laughs> so I, maybe this I is, love it. Yeah. I mean, I mean even just coming and experiencing this, in fact, actually, I think that's actually a great recommendation. Like if you really want to come do one of these races, mm -hmm. it is actually really a smart idea to come and sort of take it in because mm -hmm. it's, it's overwhelming your yeah. first time and to come and race and have a good result your first time. It, it's tough. Yeah. I was talking about that with Eric Lapuma when we were out there greeting Jim outside of Ellerstein today, he got struggled to his 17th in CCC his first time over here, certainly well off his potential, but it's sort of like, yeah, you know, just get here, get that finished, dip your toe in the water. He'll come back next time. I know I'm excited next year to be cheering on Katie and Dylan at the let's start go. line. Yes. So let's build so, that plan now for yeah. 364 days from now. Done. This is great because <laughs> I'm in. Kim and Topher have been here since the first year, 20 years. I came for the first time in 2013, 10 years. This is Katie's first time. So we have some three generations right of UTMB people it. here and many more stories to be written. Thank you all for coming on the show. What a joy it's been to chat about it in this instant reaction style. A big shout out to all the runners who are still out there on the race course for Katie Asmuth, Kim Gaylord, Topher Gaylord, and Debo. See you tomorrow.